This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. The Project Upland podcast is brought to you in part by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. Adventure awaits. Hey, what's up, everybody? Nick Larson with the Project Upland Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We've got a good one for you this week, which we will dive into in just a moment. I just want to remind you that you can win Project Upland gear by doing any one of these things, rating the podcast, reviewing the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, and sharing the podcast. This week's winner is a little unusual. It's actually... A bird dog, and that bird dog's name is Mogul. Let me explain. Mogul is a small Munsterlander owned by a friend of mine here in Minnesota, Bailey Peterson. And about a week ago, she posted a cool video of Mogul riding in the car while she was listening to the intro to the Project Upland podcast. You just heard it a moment ago, if you didn't skip it, which I don't blame you. We play it every week. But there is a woodcock flushing in that intro and when it happened in the video mogul perked his head up i assume he was looking out the window looking for a bird in the air unfortunately he didn't see that so we decided we would send him a hat and he is this week's winner of the project upland podcast gear giveaway maybe bailey will send us a picture of mogul wearing the hat that i will be sending out to her shortly all that to say you could be next week's winner Review the podcast, rate the podcast, subscribe to it, and share the podcast episodes. We will choose another winner next week. All right, let's dive into today's interview. Today's interview is with John Hubble of East Texas. John Hubble is an upland hunter and a mentor to his son, and he started an Instagram account which is at Wingbeats and Little Feet, where he documents sort of his son's introduction to the outdoors and some of their adventures and experiences together. And it's very cool. John and I got to chatting a little bit on Instagram, and I decided to have him on the podcast to talk about introducing his son to the outdoors, mentoring him a little bit, and to talk about upland bird hunting in Texas. So without further ado... I hope you enjoy today's interview with John Hubble, and let's welcome him to the Project Upland Podcast. John Hubble, welcome to the Project Upland Podcast. How are you this evening? <laughs> hey, I'm doing all right. Got the kids to bed. They're quiet for now, so we're good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. We got a podcast to record, so uh, so hopefully it stays that way. My uh, my little one is he appears quiet, but I got these big headphones on, and I'm I'm in my zone here in the recording office. So I, w- I guess I would nice. have a clue if he was crying. <laughs> 
Yeah, I told my wife she had to take care of the, the my five month old whenever if she started crying. So we'll we'll hope that continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. And and uh, I guess the beauty of this whole thing is that it's not live. So uh, if anything happens, we can always pause. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Good deal, good deal. Well, John, we got you all the way from the big, big, big state of Texas down in Texas. Where are we talking to you exactly? Oh, I live in Dripping Springs, which is a central Texas, the hill country. Uh, just, just, it's actually kind of a suburb of Austin now, as big as Austin's growing. So, central Texas, ah. centrally located. Okay, so Austin, so you're you got all the uh, all the tech like new entrepreneurs. You guys are like the new Silicon Valley. Tech, we got skinny jeans all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love that. You know what's funny? I was actually listening to a, a podcast um, uh, earlier this week. I believe it was Tim Ferriss. I like the Tim Ferriss show, and they were joking that they were kind of self-deprecating because I think he lives in Austin. They were joking that that Austin is almost it's too popular now and so it's it's becoming it's becoming too cliche for entrepreneurs it's it is yeah it's so I think last I heard 130 people move here a day wow wow it's way too popular yeah sounds like it so all right so you're in dripping springs um how how far are you from bird cover Oh, well, you know what? We actually have quail in my neighborhood. Um, cool. <laughs> interesting enough, uh, we have a place out uh, in the hill country just uh, west of Fredericksburg, Texas. Uh, we've got quail all over that. But uh, from public land, uh, good quail hunting. I'm maybe two hours away from some pretty good quail hunting. Uh, centrally located, you kind of got uh, different areas of the state you can go and uh, you know, for Texans to drive, you know, four or five hours is not not too much. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot big state, lots of ground to cover. So let's let's kind of start there a little bit and dive in because because you and I were chatting before we before we technically hit the record button talking about public land in Texas and you know the relative relative you know size of the state and the availability of public land. You kind of have a kind of have an opinion on it, but I think. You know, a lot of people here, you know, Texas is the majority is private land. There's a ton of private land, but Without a doubt. that doesn't mean that there isn't public land and, and there is stuff for you to utilize. It, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. And, you know, relative, um, I think last I looked, I was visiting with a friend of mine who's a public land expert around here, and he was saying we have 1.6 million acres, which you know, it's quite a bit. Um, you know, I see some other states touting, you know, we got a million, million, million plus acres. And, and I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know, we've got some big, big state parks and national forests. And how much do we actually have? And, uh, you know, I asked him and he said 1.6. And I was kind of surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, if you go east towards uh, East Texas, you can hunt woodcock in, uh, in, in January in the national forest. And, if you go up into the up into the Panhandle, you've got several several places up there. One of which is, um, I think it's fifteen thousand acres, maybe a little larger than that. Matador, and then there's Gene Howe up there, which is five thousand acres, which is more than you know you can cover in a day. Um, and you know, it just really depends on what you're looking for. And you know, you can get Bob White and quail up there. And if you go out to far west Texas, you can find some just absolute monster places out there that are that are public land it's uh uh, uh let's see what do we have elephant mountain and black gap and you're going to get into some blue quail um uh so you know you got some places down south so it just really kind of depends on what you're you know what you're looking to do and you know i like texas because we can get let's see bobs i think we can get uh one two we have gambles quail here. We can get four different species, actually five, because we have pheasant in the in the panhandle. So no we can get five different species of birds. Yeah, we used to have. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Uh, we used to have uh, prairie chickens. We still have the Atwater's prairie chicken, but it's endangered and I think effectively extinct because they're not really breeding much anymore. But yeah, 
We can get lots of birds here. <laughs> I think it was, I really want to say it was an issue of shooting sportsmen, I believe, that I was just reading the other day. And I'm going to, I'm blanking on the author. This is very useful. But all that to say, the author mentioned a prairie chicken down in that region. I think he might have said New Mexico. I don't know if that makes sense. But, but, he mentioned that was one of his Where? favorite birds to hunt. I think he said New Mexico, or at least down down in the panhandle of Texas. Um, he mentioned he mentioned prairie chicken, but he said the same. Hey thing Nick, I'm said, having like trouble with the. I can't hear you. Oh, we're having hello connection. Hello right now. All right, and we are back. You got me, John. All right, I got gotcha. you. Okay, good deal. So I was right in the middle of saying something to the effect of uh, I was reading about somebody that hunted prairie chickens down south, further south than I think I expected. And uh, he mentioned something similar to you in that you couldn't really hunt them anymore. So it must be the same thing. Yeah, well, you know, the prairie chicken is one of those, um, in my opinion, one of those, uh, you know, passenger pigeon type stories you know they're they're you know mainly in kansas and nebraska now um but they used to go from i think saskatchewan all the way down to the gulf coast of texas which is a huge huge range and you know farming practices you you know i I do farm and ranch sales here in the hill country and i was driving out east of i-35 here where their range was today i'm looking at it yeah this looks just like kansas except it's now you know edge to edge farming and you know the wrong kind of grass now so it's uh you know it's a sad story but yeah you used to get could could uh hunt those all the way down here i uh i have to chuckle a little bit the fact that you mentioned i-35 because <laughs> i-35 actually starts up where i live in duluth so i could technically say that you're just uh, yeah. just down the down the street from me john you know what you technically can say that you just head on, head on down anytime you want <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that that's awesome so we kind of we digress a little bit we were talking about public land um i'll ask you so we talked about there are public land opportunities, but of course there are private land opportunities. And I'm curious how that works because I imagine there's a lot of leasing and, and le- leasing to a, to a Northern grouse and woodcock hunter is like kind of foreign. Like nobody would lease land to hunt birds. So talk about how that works a little bit down there. Well, well it's, um, it's usually based on a price per acre. Um, and just like with any type of commodity, it's based on supply and demand. Um, the last couple of years here were record number of years for Bob White. Just the drought ended and we got tons of rain in the spring and great, you know, triple hatches out of our, our, our breeding, breeding birds and, um, price per acre went up. You know, if you're in the kind of Northern portions of Texas, uh, rolling plains, you're probably going to be around a dollar an acre. Um, if you get down in South Texas, you may be paying seven, eight, nine, ten dollars an acre. Um, so that's how that works. You know, you lease it out. Uh, you know, most people don't mind to do that because it's usually cheaper to lease land than it is to buy land. And, uh, um, you know, you got to here, you have to contend with the deer hunters in the deer hunting season. So it really kind of limits us on when we can get out onto some of those type leases. Um, and even in our public land, obviously, but I think that's the same all over the States. Um, but here, you know, realistically, we're hunting January through February for our quail, because um, that's the very end of deer season is uh, the first part of January, and uh, we kind of have it all to ourselves after that. So, you know, that's how it works. Awesome. And so, so you're doing a lot of quail hunting January, February. When does your <laughs> season actually start? Because didn't I see something on your Instagram account about? You already had the countdown up for September. I have. Uh, yeah, that is uh, that's 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 the first of season. That's a uh, dove season. So that's oh, when that starts. Right. So um, you know, it's like it's like a uh, you know, it's it's a big day in Texas. So, <laughs> you know, people take off work to go dove hunting and and sure. all of that. But quail, which is really an upland bird, which is what I'm into. Um, it's dark. It's actually a really long season. Um, this year's past year started October 28th. Okay. Um, and, and it ended February 28th. 
So it's a huge season. Now here, everybody thinks, oh my God, that's amazing. Let's go hunt birds early. This is actually the first year that I hunted opening day in probably eight, nine, 10 years because it was actually 30 degrees that morning. Um, <laughs> and that's not and typical. I, it's not typical. And we have these wonderful little animals out here called rattlesnakes. And we don't, we don't, at least personally and all of my friends, we really don't start hunting until December. We want to get a couple of good freezes through where those, those snakes are going to bed and they're slow and you're not going to see them. So we, we, we watch out for the dogs. <laughs> yeah. And our good on you. I, I was, I was going to, I was planning on asking you about snakes because I, I myself, we don't contend with much up this way and I'm, I, I guess I don't consider myself to be a fan, but what's the, uh, what's the, what's the drill? Because I, I hunted Woodcock in Louisiana one year and, and we had unseasonably warm temperatures it was in January yeah. so we were on high alert for snakes and yep. uh, yeah what's what's uh, is it well, uh, 50 degrees 60 degrees or under you know it, 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 I don't know that once it starts freezing they're going to go find their dens um, and they're going to den up for the cold weather once it kind of you know in December January February even here you'll get an 80 degree day sure. and they'll come out but they're just going to be on the rocks around their dens. They're not going to be moving. So, you know, they're going to go right back in because it'll be 80, but then it'll drop down in the 40s at night. Um, so they go right back in. So even if you run across one in the wintertime, they're so slow that you really don't have to worry about it unless your dog is going to mongoose one or something. Um, <laughs> you really don't have to worry about that too much. Um, but, you know, we, we do snake aversion training um, where we actually get, uh, you know, some there's a lady in the area here who has uh, devenomized rattlesnakes, and she defangs them and brings them out. And we bring the dogs out, put the you know electronic collars on them, and turn it all the way up to its highest level, and yep. let the bird, let the dog go find it. And you know it learns real quick to uh, what that snake means. And we get them get the vaccination for the uh, for rattlesnakes as well, which kind of gives helps you out. Um, as far as giving you some time to get to a vet if it's a bad, if it's a bad bite. So, um, but yeah, you, generally once you're in January, you're you're okay. Even if you see one, they're gonna be. Extru- I've stepped right over a rattlesnake. Literally stepped over it. Didn't realize it in January. And um, the people I was with said, "Oh, you just stepped over a snake." And we turned around. And the snake's still there and it's slithering off really slowly. And you don't you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's funny you mentioned that because when I was I was in Louisiana, I was I was actually I think I, I think we were almost back to the truck and I had my gun gun broke unloaded and I was following somebody kind of walking right behind him and there's three of us walking in a line and the first guy didn't know it but he stepped right over a coiled up snake and the other guy backed up and i basically ran because I, I didn't know <laughs> what was going on and there was sure enough there was a big snake on the ground and it, it had to be five or six feet long but i it was apparently they figured out real fast it wasn't a cotton mouth which is what we were oh gosh gotcha. it was it was a water moxin what water was what, we were, what we were looking for but it was a, oh, okay it was a king snake so king snake was, yeah yeah a little water hands. snake yeah, yeah well here i mean you know they, they've got um, in East Texas, copperheads and obviously water moccasins or cottonmouths, yeah. um, timber rattlers out there. And then west of there, you actually have, um, you know, diamond back rattlesnakes. Um, and they've actually had some cases actually this last year of the Mojave rattler in Texas, actually a guy got bit, which is the deadliest of them all. Um, a guy got bit out in, out near big spring, and I think he went into convulsions and seizures before they even got him to the hospital. And he had to have something like, this may be completely misremembering, and, uh, but I want to say 20 or 30 vials of antivenom, like just crazy amounts. Wow. Um, so we're not, I'm not happy to hear that that thing's moving in. <laughs> yeah, we, I know we like to complain about the ticks up north, but. But, yeah, God, yeah, I will I take I'll I take mean, a tick over a snake, and, <laughs> and it's funny because on on our on our our place um, in Fredericksburg uh, last year, I think we we killed we trapped or the foreman got out there and they caught uh, I think thirty snakes, thirty rattlers, something like that. Wow, 
So, you know, there's a lot, but when you, you hunt them at the, they hunt them at the right time and, um, you know, go to their dens. And like I said, they're slow. So you just pick them up, throw them in the, in their box. And, but that's a lot of snakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Too many, too many for my, my liking, but that's yeah. enough about snakes, John. Let's, uh, let's yes, talk about yes. something else. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, man. So, all right, well, we're going to get into sort of your Instagram account and a little bit about that. I guess let's just dive into that because you you have an Instagram account. It's at wingbeats and little feet. Yep. And I'm curious right off the bat, uh, we'll have you tell us a little bit about it, but I'm curious if – is that where it started? Is that where this whole – concept started or i guess just dive into it and you know it, it. It, it, i got the idea um from you know i take my my son out with me and you know every time we get you know photographs you know we'll have the the ranch manager follow us and with their camera and take pictures for us while we're hunting and uh, we ended up having some really good photographs and corvus had reached out to us about you know using them on their on their uh their website and some, some other things like that. And, you know, so people were asking me, Oh, that's great that you're out with your son. That's so cool. And, you know, I want to get my son out, you know, things like that. And it just got me to thinking, um, and I was reading a book by, uh, Craig Kolchak. Um, and I've actually now read all of his books and he talks about going hunting with his sons. And, you know, I got thinking, ah, you know what, I'm like, maybe write a book or something about, you know, hunting with my son and, Maybe we want to try to get all of the birds in the North America, you know, that'd be a really cool father son, you know, goal. And, you know, I started thinking about well, what would I call that? And then I figured out, Oh, let's have that wing beats and little feet. And I decided, well, you know, if I do write a book, it's going to be, it's nothing terribly pressured. It's, um, you know, a season only comes every year. So, <laughs> you know, I've got plenty of time to, to write on it. And I decided, you know, maybe I, I start an Instagram account and, kind of see, you know, how people take to that. And then I'll have an idea of whether or not I think I want to move forward with a book or anything like that. And, uh, yeah. So I started the Instagram account and, you know, just started adding those photos from his first hunt and his second hunt. And now his third hunt. And it's been well received. I think there's a video on there right now. It's something like 14,000 views, which I don't know how that happens. I don't have 14,000 <laughs> followers. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you know, so, uh, that's the kind of how it started. And, uh, you know, Preston is my son. He's six years old now. He's been hunting with me for three years and, you know, I just figured, Hey, you know, this is something people need to see because maybe they, you know, I come from a family where I couldn't go golfing with my grandfather until I could hit it far enough to make the dog leg on the first hole of the golf course. <laughs> and I couldn't go <laughs> hunting until I could shoot a gun and shoot it well. Um, you know, which by that time I was, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. And I'm sitting there going, I would have loved to have been doing that stuff at five. <laughs> so, you know, I figured, Hey, I'm going to start this Instagram account and let people see what's going on with Preston and his, how he's coming along and what's going on with us and the dogs. And, and, uh, you know, we do some fishing. There's a few fishing photos on there too, but, uh, that's kind of, kind of how it started and where it's kind of going. Yeah, that's awesome. That that is awesome, and you you answered uh, one of my questions that I forgot to ask you was was uh, where where you got your start upland hunting. Are you were you born and raised in Texas? I was uh, fifth generation Texan. Um, I was born in West Texas. Uh, got my first taste of uh, Bob White when I was with my BB gun at the age of oh, I think I was seven years old. Uh, out in the back pasture behind our house and run around trying to get some, get a, shoot a sparrow and had one on the little fence line. I was trying to get in line to shoot and took a step around this mesquite bush. And about that time, all hell broke loose and <laughs> <laughs> scared the hell out of me. And my heart started racing and I was hooked. <laughs> I didn't even know what happened. I got back to the house and asked my dad, what the, what just happened? There's like 20 birds that came up on like, practically on my feet and he said that was a bob white son and well there we go <laughs> so <laughs> we grew awesome. up roaming those pastures out there so uh yeah we, we had a fun fun childhood to say the least 
Very cool. And so, so was upland hunting, did it remain, did it remain a, a constant thread and, you know, into adulthood? You no, know, it, it didn't actually. Um, we grew up chasing everything from squirrels to rabbits to, you know, uh, uh, with our BB guns. And yeah. my father wasn't terribly outdoorsy. Um, my grandfather was a little bit, but he, he didn't care too much for bird hunting. Um, and I had this picture in my, my head from, a from, you know, once that first little instance happened, um, of, uh, what I called at that time, a fetch dog, <laughs> I wanted a fetch dog. And that just kind of, it's just kind of stayed with me for the longest times. And, uh, you know, here I am, 42 years old, and Preston's at six years old, and I got my first bird dog six years ago. Um, and, you know, I, I've been quail hunting uh, and bird hunting ever since. And, uh, you know, so we started a, a preserve on the ranch, and I kind of went head first into it. <laughs> so that's, Very you know, cool. it's, inter- it's interesting how you come across that people are born into it and do it all their lives and some people uh you know it just kind of i don't know how to explain the feeling it's kind of a i guess a romantic feeling about it or you know you i read stories and you know read all the books and it just sticks in my mind it's just such a uh you know uh, uh, an interesting vision that i have of it uh and one that i'm trying to to acquire myself so to speak <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's I think it's a great great story. It's a great example. And you know, I always the point I always like to make is you never quite know how somebody's going to find their way into upland hunting, and and maybe they haven't done it for the first thirty years of their life, but the next thirty might be nonstop upland hunting. You know, we could you could get it. Just takes the right exposure at the right time. Mm-hmm. To get, you know, to make the you're absolutely hunting. right. And, you know, we're out roaming those prairies and it was back in the time where you could jump a fence and run out there and fish in somebody's pond. And if they yeah. came up, the owner, they, Oh, you catch anything? Oh, what you seeing? You shooting anything? And, you know, when we're out in those pastures of West Texas, a good day was the day when we got the crap scared out of us because a covey of quail held tight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, Oh gosh, you know, that was awesome. You know, and of course you never could get close enough when you wanted to, to shoot one with a BB gun. But right. they sure scared the heck out of you when you weren't planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's funny. So, all right. So Preston, yep. is six years old now. He's been he's been tagging along with you for mm-hmm. tagging along with you for three years. What yeah. what have you what what kinds of things have you seen from from when he was when he was three to now six? You know how how have you seen his interest? Because obviously he likes it. So how have you seen that developing? It, it's you know, it's funny. I think it's just something innate in a boy. Um, you know, it's like one day we're driving down the road and he, oh, dad, look at that big truck, monster truck. And, and he was two. And I'm sitting there going, what? I'm like, <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't around anybody. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, look, you know, I'm like, look at these big trucks. And, and I'm sitting there going, oh, that's just all boy, I guess that comes out. I don't know. No one ever taught him that. Nobody ever said that to him. And then one day, you know, he just asked me, so he knew I took, you know, our dog biscuit and now we have three and, <laughs> um, uh, and he just said, uh, you know, dad, when, when, when are we going to go pal some birds? Cause you know, I always went hunting birds. And I said, well, pal some birds. I said, well, son, what do you mean? Cause I wasn't ever going to force anything on him. You know, I just, if he wants yeah. to go, yeah, let's go and you know, try to get him to go now that he likes it. Um, but I said, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, um, we'll go shoot the birds and uh, biscuit can bring it back to us. I said, Oh, I said, well, all right. And so he was three at this, just turned three. I said, well, we, we'll do that, you know, over Christmas break, we'll, we'll go do it. And so that first, uh, first time we get out there and for Texas, it was the coldest day of that year. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was, it was in the, the coldest day so far that year. It was in the thirties and the wind was blowing and, I have him bundled up and he looks like he's going skiing and um, <laughs> he's got his little thing on and we go out to the ranch and you know, we have some birds out there and we have some release birds as well. And I don't know why or how the, the office manager still agreed to come out with us, but she did. And she brought her camera. I said, you know, I'd really like just to have some pictures of this. And 
you know, so we get out there and I get him in his little chaps that we got from Cabela's and he's all ready to go and he has his little Cabela's dart gun, you know, it's over and under sh- shotgun looking thing and he were walking down and next thing I know I'm looking over at him and he's got his old gun up on his shoulder like dad and he's just walking along, you know, he just thinks he's 10 foot tall and bulletproof <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, uh, you know, you just, you know, we got all of this on film, which was awesome, or our pictures. So, I, you know, it, having that is really something. But, you know, the dog goes on point, and I said, okay, first I said, come up here. We get up by the dog. I said, okay, out here somewhere, there's front of the dog. He's He's got some sand. He's pointing these birds. I said, there's some be some birds or a bird or something out here. And I said, just, you know, just stay behind my, just stay by here on my, my hip here. And, you know, had his ear, ear, ear protection on. And sure. so I'm stepping up there and a single bird flies out and I'm, you know, getting my feet set and getting ready to pull up and shoot this bird. And I see a dart flying in the direction of the bird. <laughs> and I, I'm going to tell you, Nick, I've not had any more stress to make a shot than that instance. <laughs> uh, so I pulled down, it was going under a tree. I shot, got the bird and immediately said, you got it, Bobby, you got it. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think at that moment, the hook was set for him and uh, you know, we high fived and the, he brought the bird, that biscuit brought the bird back and you know, it was just, um, you know, you hear those, those words when you hear about, kids you know full of, of of wonderment and things like that and those those words are exactly true and that's an exact way to describe it he's just staring at this bob white that we just shot and you know he's like dad why is his mouth open and hey his eyes open and just looking at it and studying it and you know and uh he, he was hooked ever since then and uh each year we go a couple times and if we if, if Victoria's available, we get her to come with us and take some pictures, and we end up with some good ones, or uh, you know, it just progresses. And um, you know, this year we went out, and uh, I think we only went out once this year. Oh, maybe twice. Um, yeah, twice this year. But one year, once we went out, we got a, a new English cocker that I've been training up, and um, we're out there, and some birds fly up and I shoot one and some more fly off the other side and this, this bird's flying along, you know, it's, it, 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 I knew I hit it, but it just kept, kept flying and flying and flying. It got, oh, I don't know, 50, hundred yards away. And, you know, did that towering last, last, last hurrah of a flight yeah. and then fell down. And I said, all right, Preston, I said, well, biscuit was running and he goes and get, he's on point again. I said, well, we've got a situation here. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take Samson, who's a little cocker. I said, oh, we're going to go over here and find this dead bird. I want you to go over there and uh, go see what Biscuit's found. See if you can get those birds. You know, let him have his little own own little time there. So we're walking over, me and Samson, to get this little bird. And I look over. He's already over there at, at Biscuit, the pointer. And I wish I had been there with him because it would have been a, a great photo. <laughs> he is actually <laughs> looking down the back of this dog like it's a gun because he thinks the dog is a pointer. The dog is pointing exactly where that bird is going to be. And he looks up and I see him looking over there and he doesn't see, you know, it's a bunch of, I mean, it's waist high grass. He's like looking, he gets back down. He's looking down that dog, like where that dog is pointed. That's where that bird is. I wish I'd had a picture of that, but I didn't. So, you know, (laughs) so uh, he's, you know, we progressed uh, from, you know, the dart gun, and uh, then he started, then I got him a little BB gun that he that wasn't loaded for a full year. Um, you know, he, he would take it out there, and he would cock it and shoot. And, oh, you got that one, or hey, who got that one? And he's like, me, and I'm like, you, I'm like, I got it, you know, and we're starting that banter, and it's amazing to see how quickly a kid can shoulder a gun. Um, you know, I mean, they're just BB guns, but they get it really quickly. They really do, and um, I think the last video of the year I got of him was Biscuit was on point. He's walking out there and, you know, he's got an empty BB gun and he's swinging the muzzle across the dog. And obviously there's some things that we've got to learn, but it's an empty BB gun. It's the, it's a safe environment for him to learn. Yep. And this bird flushes up from beside him and he pulls around and swings. And he's like, immediately turns around and kind of throws his hands up and says, oh, I forgot to cock it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm like, and there's a quail hunter right there, always with a quick excuse. So, you know, that's actually the video on the on the Instagram that got like 14,000 views. And I guess I can I guess I can see why, but I don't know how it got to 14,000. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. That is that is some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, talk about a couple yeah. know, first first obviously memories for you, but but it sounds like sounds like personal. Um, too, I'm 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 curious, man. He uh, that that first that first time he let that dart go, he beat you to the draw. You better you better keep your shooting skills up, or you're not going to kill anything. You, with him you know, there. you're you're right, you're right, and and I and I got the photos, and I've searched all over those photos, pulling them in, you know, blowing them up, looking for that dart, and I can't <laughs> find it anywhere in the photos. And I'm sitting there, maybe I tripped that. But it was reality. <laughs> yeah, that is so, super funny. Uh, it was good stuff for sure. Uh, you know, and it's just it, it's it's really cool. You know, to see you know I get messages all the time. You know, we love love your photos. Thanks. That's that's a really good idea. I really, you know, I'm going to do that with my son. And that's a you know empty BB guns. Just bring them along. Like it doesn't matter if they're shooting anything or not. We're actually I'm going to actually take Preston out here in a couple of weeks. Let him shoot a little 410 that I have. And my plan there is, you know, I don't want him thinking about what's going on at his shoulder. And that's, you know, you always kind of got to balance those things. You don't want to push him too far. He's really tall for a six-year-old, though. He's, he's 95th percentile. So I think he can handle this little 410. But, you know, what I'm going to do is put a bunch of fruit up, you know, a couple cantaloupes and an apple and a big orange and a grapefruit up, you know, 10 yards away. And, when he blows them up with that 410, all he's thinking about is how awesome that fruit was that blew up. Not, hey, it might have kicked me in my shoulder, you know. You know, so yeah. I'm trying to trying to get him. I think that's a good way. I don't know. I'll, I'll it'll be trial and error for sure, but I think you know, I little two and a half inch shells and. I think you're spot on with that, John. You know, I haven't I haven't thought about that much, but it's you know it's. There's parallels to that with uh, intro to birds with a gun dog. You know, when you, you let that bird fly yeah. and you shoot the gun in the background, the dog, all he cares about is the bird. Whereas if the you, bird. you know, I, I think I specifically remember the first time I shot a shotgun, it's, it was, you know, I just put the gun on my shoulder and my, you know, I had my dad kind of right there and we just shot, you know, I don't know what into the ground or into a mound or something. And yeah, you know, nothing, nothing bad came of it, fortunately, but that's more of a recipe for if you know you're going to feel the recoil. You're, you're not having that excitement like you mentioned. I think that's a great idea. I think I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, it's just you know when you people do that, it's like okay, it's going to kick a little. It's going to you know it's yeah, going to do this, yeah. and then you're you're worried about it. You're going to flinch, and it might be worse than it really is. Correct. You know, and kids are like that. You know, Preston he falls down and hurts himself. I'm like, oh, that was awesome, good job. You know, I make try to make. Yeah, you know, make it good, make it something good out of it, because you know we're we're all humans. We we can make make any situation really really bad, and you know I think the more you make those those fun things for them, the better it it it'll be. And you know, I mean, what's going to be more fun than seeing a cantaloupe explode? That's going to be <laughs> exactly. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Even for me, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Uh, but I think that's how that'll work. But it, I, you know, when people are, are are messaging and you know saying thanks, or they'll say, you know, you know, it reminds me so much of me and my dad when 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 he was alive. Or oh, you know, they'll message me, send me, you know, direct message pictures of them with their son out and their little, you know, D- Daisy BB gun. I'm like, that is so cool. So you know, if nothing else, I hope you know, I hope people can just see, you know, hey, there's a a good way to do it and you know, just get them out there. I mean, you don't have to have them hunting. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Um, just get them out there with you some way, find a way for them to participate. And heck, it's awesome. I mean, you know, we press and I go out, I don't think we've shot five birds yet, but it doesn't matter. We're having a hell of a time. <laughs> yeah. He gets, you know, he gets to put the vest on. He gets to carry, he gets to carry the toy gun. Has he, has he, has he found any shotgun shells out in the field? I always know that was exciting for me. No, we're very, very strict about shotgun shells in the field. We thought we, well, there's good. cattle out there that, that, yeah. So we, we, if we find one, they're usually picked up, but we've not run across any when he's been out there. So 
if we do, he'll, he knows about them because he'll say, oh, somebody was naughty, Dad. I'm like, yep, somebody <laughs> was, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, well, that's, uh, I've got a, you know. a question on, have you been, because you mentioned, you mentioned the, the book and it, it might just be, you know, it might be kind of a down the road thing at this time, but are you a, mm-hmm. are you a, are you a journaler? I mean, you're taking, you're taking pictures, but are you, yeah, you know, no, like to write about I, yeah, I, I do. I've got our little hunting journals that I keep our, keep our, 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 you know, what happened on this day and Hey, what was the weather like? And you know, what happened? Um, you know, it's, it's funny cause sometimes it's, you know, it may be months before I get to writing in those journals, but somehow yeah. I, I, you know, those, those memories are burned in my memory. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, yes, if, sir. I, if I could draw worth a damn, I would <laughs> be drawing some of these, you know, you know, but, uh, it just didn't, didn't get that way. So yeah, you know, I, I keep those journals, you know, in case I get some early onset Alzheimer's or something. <laughs> <laughs> Help you relive those days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I found, I found that too. And I don't, I don't do a ton of, like long form writing journaling the last few years, I've just basically kept numbers and statistics. But one cool thing yeah. that I found is I keep enough information, you know, date and I didn't do this right away, but I started putting some kind of description of exactly the cover that I was hunting in. And now yeah. I'm able to, I can go back, you know, I don't know that this will last forever, but at least, you know, a couple months after the season, I was able to go back and I could literally visualize and picture every bird that I shot throughout the season because yeah. of the notes and the numbers that I took, which is pretty cool. You know, it's funny because, I, you know, my journalist, you know, it's not any, you know, great long, you know, story of the, all the, you know, the, uh, you know, anything like that. It's, it's more of, I guess it's more like a text message to myself. Yes. You know, it's yes. like yep. day. Uh, it, was, it was cold today. Bird numbers were down. Dogs did great. Shot like crap. Blah blah blah. You know, or if something cools up, oh, you know, Preston had this really cool situation. Blah blah blah. You know, it's nothing. And people should just do that because I think a lot of people get, oh, you know, it's just too much. Just you know, just yep. write something or or or, or heck, text yourself. You know, yeah, anything like that, idea. you know, and, and uh, you you know, I text myself stuff all the time. Oh, I didn't need to remember that. Okay, text it. And it's, you know, it's 140 characters or less and it's great, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, I, I actually, uh, kind of similar. I, I use a, an application called Evernote. I use it for a lot of stuff, but I, I actually, I create a new note basically for every day I'm in the field and every time I get back to the truck, I just quick, you know, it takes me 30 seconds. I jot down sort of this set of, set of parameters that I have and jot it down. That's it. I forget about it. And I don't, I don't, you know, I don't go and log them into my computer every night. I maybe do that once uh, every couple of weeks or whatever, but you know, you're right. If it's burdensome, you won't do it. But if you can develop just a simple, easy system to do it, I think it's pretty. Yeah. Just. Like, you know, it's funny because we can text and we often do text all of our hunting buddies when you're done with the day, exactly yeah. what happened. But you, you know, just text that to your journal. It's it's identical. Oh, yeah. you know, cause you know, there, you may not get every detail, but you'll remember, Oh, I remember this day because that's when my dog was running way too fast for his own good and got caught in some scent and he is back leg was up in the air. You know, you just get these funny pictures that pop up because you know, the weird weirdness that happens when you're hunting with a dog, you know, you never know what's, you know, a dog may be, oh, we, my, my new setter is funny. Speaking of uh, oddness with dogs, um, I picked him up in New Mexico four weeks ago and get out there and he's a setter and he's like, all right, let's go out on the training fields. We go out there and He's put some pigeons out to show me how he runs and all this. And he takes off running and he's running. And all of a sudden he like slams on the brakes and sits down and like cranks his head backwards over his back. And I'm like, what the hell kind of dog did I just buy? I'm like, like, what the heck? I'm like, I'd like for him to stand up with his tail in the air, you know? And then as we got closer, he's like, well, he goes, he got, he was running too fast and there's a bird behind him now. And he was back behind him in the launcher and he just stopped as fast as he could, knew he wasn't supposed to move and just slowly started working his head around there to where he was 
in the wind and you know in the in the right wind wind area and i mean it was it was hilarious but you know those are the funny things that happen with dogs when they're out there you know you just never know what they're going to get themselves what kind of contortion they're going to be in when they get on scent at the wrong time (laughs) definitely yeah so but yeah you can send pictures and pictures and texts to your buddies about that you know you can write that i mean literally oh great day limited out on birds biscuit did great had three points like just something simple like that is going to help you remember down the line a tremendous amount and you know your son will remember it and you know you can write it down later on uh, you know if you feel like it and you know it's just good good to do good practice yeah yeah definitely the uh so good segue i wanted to i wanted to talk a little bit about your dogs because you yeah i know you have a setter and a cocker what your your yeah. old dog biscuit is that is yeah. he a setter yeah. too okay no okay. he's a griffon and oh, he's uh, a griffon He's yeah, and he's a lanky Griffon. He's if you were to see him, he's probably the tallest Griffon you'll ever see. Um, I had somebody ask me one day if he was an Irish Wolfhound. He's so tall. <laughs> wow, those are um, big dogs. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, no, I was like, he's got a brown head and a brown splotch on his shoulder, and I was like, no, he's not one of those. You know, but doesn't look, you know, but um. <laughs> Yeah, so he's actually he's actually on coming out of kennel rest this week. He uh, blew out his second ACL um, oh, in yikes. two years. So uh, yeah, so we had uh, I didn't hesitate this time with it because of the time of year with his surgery. And he's he's only five or no, he's he was six on Valentine's Day. Um, um, so yeah, he's he's uh, coming back. He had one a couple years ago, and after we had that surgery. It was like a brand new dog, so I didn't hesitate. And it wasn't anything about him or his breeding or his genetics or anything like that. The first one happened, he was wrestling with a, a Vishla uh, and just got his knee caught. You know, he's a lanky dog, got his knee caught under there. And this, 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 this one happened on our last hunt of this year with clients. We actually had clients in the field where we were, you know, we'd have a commercial place out there. And, uh, he just started limping. It was right after he loves to retrieve. So when he goes on point, we send the cocker into flush and they both want to go try to get it. And the cocker went one way, he went the other and they came back around and, uh, they slammed into each other. I'm pretty sure that's when it happened. Cause he came up limping after that. And, um, he's like my bionic dog now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was my first one he was my first one so yeah yeah so he was the first and now you have you've got an english cocker and an english setter, now, and they're yeah. about the same age right they are i got the cocker last or not this christmas that passed but um two christmas ago uh he was uh and i got him as a puppy i decided i didn't want to get pointing dogs anymore as puppies um i'd rather get them as a started dog um, but the flushers, I, um, and, and maybe it's just a dog. Maybe I've just been really fortunate. I was really fortunate with Biscuit. He was such an easy dog to train that I thought, oh, my God, I'm the world's best trainer, you know. <laughs> and then I got a Vishla, and that didn't work out so well. And I actually sent him off for training, and then he got he actually got ruined at, at training. So that didn't end up too well. And he's, he's my brother's dog now, and they sleep together in the bed and all that good stuff. But, um, That's good. I got a, yeah, I got a, uh, the little cocker and I don't know if it's just, I've heard that the cocker is just incredibly smart and that they'll make all your other dogs look dumb. And I kind of have to agree. Um, holy cow. And I think part of it is because they are ravenous little animals, ravenous. You can feed them four cups of, of food and 10 minutes later, they're acting like they've never been fed in their life. And how that, I think how that translates into um, trainability um, is they will do anything for food. They The look on their face when you're training them is like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go sit over here? Do you want me to, what do you want me to do? You know, and so <laughs> he learned incredibly fast. We actually hunted him. He's a year. He's, so he was born on, he's on, actually on my birthday, October 26th. So he is. A year and let's just call it a year and a half old now. 
had his first full season with us, hunted, did great. Um, I, he now sits on woe. Anytime I say woe, he sits. So it's a good command for pointers and flushers. Yeah. He puts, when I say birds up, he, there's, there's a, a bush in front of us or wherever the dog is, he's going in there and um, he'll come back. And uh, I mean, by the end of the season, he was honoring the points. He would sit whenever he saw a dog on points. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> so he's, yeah, cool. he's a year and a half. And then my setter, which I just got, we got as a started dog out of New Mexico. Um, and he's uh, about the same age, born in December of last year, 2017 or 2016. Um, you know, and it's, you know, he came from a, a breeder and hunter out there in New Mexico, and he was only used to his, uh, you know, 20 kennel mates, uh, all setters and birds. So it was kind of interesting getting him home. And, you know, the, the breeder told us, hey, it's going to, you know, he's going to be real timid. The first week he's just getting used to you. And, you know, it's kind of hard taking a dog away from his family and, sure. you know, what he perceives. And, he howled for the first hour of our drive back from, from New Mexico. And then, um, you know, he's just now coming in. Now he's rambunctious as can be. And he listens to me and he's bonded. So now we're actually going to get him out on some birds, training birds, hopefully this next week and let him out. Now that I feel confident, he's not going to try to hightail it back to New Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) So, but we got a good, a good rounding of dogs. And uh, my plan with the dogs is always to have a well-trained dog, you know, five, six years old. It's got four or five years more, maybe really good hunting in him. And then have one started at that time. And then about the time that one comes time to retire, the other one will be fully, fully, full, you know, fully trained and ready to go. And, about that time I can get another one. So I'm always kind of, I don't want to have more than three dogs in the house because I think my wife may kill me. Um, but she loves those cockers. I don't know. Maybe you get a couple of extra cockers. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, I think that's going to be a good, a good way to kind of keep them, keep them rotated through the house. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. You, you said, you said she likes the English cocker though. She loves my little Samson. The main reason is because she loves a golden uh, retriever, and he okay. will forever look like a golden retriever puppy. He's got that orange color to him. Right. And yeah. so, I mean, we go walk in the neighborhood. Oh, look at the puppy. I'm like, hey, he's a year and a half old. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we, we keep him, I keep him in a, in a puppy cut anyway, because same with the setter, same with the wire hair, as a matter of fact, or the, the griff on. Uh, mainly because of the heat, but also I hate picking out stuff, picking yeah, out birds. Yeah. I keep them trimmed up pretty well. So um, even through the even through the winter, people, why are you doing that in the winter? I'm like, well, shoot, it could be 80 degrees down here. So <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't sound so, like uh, doesn't sound like you're planning on giving up upland hunting anytime soon, eh, John? You, you, you got, you gotta, you're absolutely right there. Uh, <laughs> I got a son, to, I got a son with the, you know, we talk about it. Um, it's funny because I take pictures out of him. Uh, his first book that he read was actually Ben Williams. Uh, what was it? Uh, hunting the quails of hunting the quails of the U S I got over in my office somewhere. Um, and his favorite quail is the, the Merns quail because it looks like a clown. So he can tell you all the quail of, of, of the U.S. now, you know, Mern's blue, you know. He's like, okay, he kind of gets fumbled between the, what's the one with the top knot? Like, well, it's a Gambles or maybe it's California quail or Valley quail. And he's like, what's the one with the straight feather? Okay, that's the mountain quail. Yeah, mountain quail. So, but, uh, so he knows that. And then this, just this week I got him started on his, his reading was uh, Quail and the Quail Dog. So I got a picture of him reading that in the, in the afternoon. I always like to put those yeah. in his. In, in his re- his reading log from his school, his son. Well, you know Austin. It can kind of be a a liberal place. So I always like to put, oh, yeah. you know, quail and the quail dog in his reading reading log for his teacher to see. <laughs> or you know, I had I had to have him. I think we're on chapter three of Orvis's uh, fifty things every young gentleman should know. You know, we we always put things like that just to see if <laughs> you know, just to kind of oh yeah okay you can. You can teach him that Columbus was a bad man, but I'm going to have him read a quail book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that's too funny, John. <laughs> yeah, so, but he's, uh, you know, he likes it all. He likes the, you know, we just try to make it fun. And it's, you know, it's a challenge. It really is. Um, and I, I will be the first to admit that, you know, I, I learned from my mistakes. And, uh, you know, when you're with kids, uh, you know, sometimes you, you got to just check yourself. Um, you know, we go fly fishing. He's had his own fly rod since he was three, too, because he couldn't quite figure out the button on the, you know, casting rods. So I said, man, why am I even messing with this? You just toss the line out here. I remember one day we're out there on the pond fishing, and he started reeling that reel backwards. And that line got tangled up so bad, I was just like, what the heck have you done? And I, and I thought about it afterwards, and the next time I'd ask him, you want to go fishing with me? He says, no. And another time, I said, you ready to go fishing? No. And I'm like, what the heck? And I asked his, and I said, has he said anything? She goes, he didn't want to go fishing because you got mad at because you get mad at him. And I'm like, what? And of course, that just broke my heart. Yeah. Um so, but it's, you know, it's a lesson people can learn. And now, I, you know, just don't, if you get frustrated, just keep it to yourself. You know, if you're in the field with, you know, the reason he takes a BB gun is because if he was, if he had a shotgun and was pointing at my dog, I'd be tearing his head off about it. You know, so plan your situations for the kids um, and take it lightly and, you know, just make it fun for them and do not get frustrated with them because, um, you know, you want them to come back. You know, it's kind of like the dogs. You don't want to pressure them too hard or they may shut down on you. So <laughs> my wife hates yeah. it whenever I say do- training training kids is like training dogs. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first upland bird hunter that I have uh, that I have heard say that. <laughs> you know, I said it's just repetition. And she goes, no, it's not. And Preston <laughs> always got in the backyard with me. When I was training, and and I and I was telling her this, we were on a walk one day, and I said it's exactly the same. I said, so watch this, Preston, sit. He sits down, and she goes, <laughs> "What are you doing?" I go, I go, well, he's out there when I'm training the dogs in the backyard, and he does, he wants to do everything the dogs do. So when I say sit, <laughs> he sits. When I throw the bumper and I say fetch, like I'm not joking, they all run. He wants to run, so I had to, and it was actually ended up being really good training for the dogs to learn to respect somebody else's retrieve because I had to, he got mad at him because the dogs were faster than him. So I'd throw the bumper, make them all wait and I'd go Preston and he'd run and get it and bring it back. And, and my wife looks out there one day and here he comes running and he's, he puts the bumper string in his mouth and is carrying the bumper with, <laughs> with, his, with his mouth. So I get it. I'm like, all right, sit, you know, and then I throw him out like biscuit and biscuit goes and gets it. But uh, you know, she, it is just like training, training dogs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is, that is great stuff, John. I think that's, uh, well, I think we'll just leave it there. That, that is the, that is the guide to introducing, <laughs> introducing kids to upland hunting right there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Start them well, off with you, a bumper. Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, you, you provided some really nice insights there and I was going to ask you, um, as kind of a kind of a wrap question is what you know in all seriousness what kind of advice suggestions along with what you just provided would you would you offer to people that are that are taking on the task of introducing somebody to upland hunting whether it's their own son or daughter or it's somebody they know you know playing that mentor role what you know what kind of things would you offer to the, to those people I would say first and foremost, if somebody asks, you better damn well take them. Um, and I see that in a lot of people that, you know, oh, I'd love to go. And people are a little shy about asking. So they're not going to maybe come sure. right out and ask you. They're going, oh, man, I'd love to. I'd love to get into quail hunting. You better invite them right away. Um, yeah. Something's there saying it. And, you know, people get told no too much that they don't have access to, to that type of of you know, hunting, you're going to lose out as a whole in the end. So, um, same for the kids, you know, Preston asked, I said, you know, I just wanted to know what, when he asked me, Hey, can we go pal some birds? I I wanted to know if he knew what that meant and what that was. Um, you know, I was just asked, well, what do you mean? And he told me, Oh, absolutely. We can sure go do that. So if they ask, and I know sometimes it gets real hard and, you know, just everyday life to do it, but 
you know what? You, you just, I would way rather be at the pond fishing with Preston than, you know, on the computer. Even if it's for 30 minutes, you can take 30 minutes out. If they want to go hunting, if you're in Texas and you want to go hunting with your son and it's your first time for both of you, I don't care. Give me a call. You can come out to the ranch, you know, and we'll figure out some, some, you know, some father, son discount or something like we'll get you out there and get you started or join join quail forever you know we started that here in central texas as well it, it just with the idea of helping people now with that being said um you know some of my hunting buddies we have a rule that you know if somebody wants to go on a big hunt with us that we're doing um we're perfectly fine with that if they don't have dogs that is okay but we want them to shoulder some responsibility in the research or the the planning phases of it. You know, I've got a, sure. a guy, a buddy of mine, said, oh, we're talking about going to Wyoming this year in September. Oh, I may just fly in there and meet y'all there. And, and I'm sitting there going, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know he, he does. You know, here we're researching where to go, what to do. You know, what where can we stay? What kind of birds can we get in this area? This area? This area? he doesn't have a dog it's like you know what we are more than welcome to, but if you're going to come with this you're going to drive with this or you're going to drive or you you know you you got to do your part it just it's not all it's just not all just because somebody wants to do something make it happen for them but if somebody asks you absolutely take them if you have the means do it right away if it, they ask you to go on a big trip just lay it out so we tell our friends now hey look you want to go if you got dogs if you want to come train with us you can please do come all the time we let you know whenever we're going to go out and training and um, please bring your dog and if you want to go hunting with us that's awesome if we're going on just a little hunt yeah come along if we're planning a big you know week or two week hunt um you can absolutely come along you just got to do your part um and if you don't know how or what to look for well we'll help you through that you know we, we know what we're doing now and We'll help you through that. And that's, you know, to, for us, it's kind of half the fun. We're watching the drought monitors and figuring out who's had good rain in the spring and the summer and who's not and where are we going. And, you know, it, that's a lot of fun, you know, just uh, coming up with those, you know, figuring it out and where you're going to go. You know, people start to see that. And I've heard even on your podcast, people start talking about, you know, using the Onyx maps and figuring out where they're going hunting and, what they're going to shoot next and you know it's the anticipation is almost as much fun as the actual hunting <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it's it's up there that's for sure yeah yeah so. well, one thing one thing we didn't dive into we'll we'll i'll let you uh at least give a shout out what's uh your quail forever chapter well our quail forever chapter is uh uh central texas quail forever um here and we just we st- you know i think we're going to have a great chapter and it's getting it's it's getting established in Texas, um, which is good. Uh, love the organization. Um, I yeah. think we're going to have a phenomenal chapter. Our very first chapter, well, it was actually the meeting uh, uh, that we that the rep Texas rep sent out to everybody in our area to see if people more interest more people were interested in in starting a chapter with us. And sure, our first not our first meeting, but the kind of prequel to that. We had 15 people show up, um, and between all 15 of us, I think we probably had 25 dogs among us. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. So, um, you know, it's a, almost a year old now. Um, we've done a couple of hunting tournaments out at the ranch. We call it a one-box hunt tournament, and uh, you get five. Yeah, I think there's a one-box hunt in Nebraska. You get uh, one team up to five hunters. Uh, you get one hour in the field. We load it up with birds for you, and you get one box of shells for the whole team. And uh, it's you know there's some stress involved. You have the time, and you only have a certain number of shells, and you gotta get after it. And uh, that was our first tournament, and uh, it was pretty successful. You know, not where it can be, but it's something that we can grow on. And sure. um, you know, yeah, again, if if you're wanting to get into quail hunting. If you wanted to get your family started into quail hunting, your son, join quail forever. These guys are, I'm sure you can attest to that. The quail hunters are, they're, they're, they're about as open a book as you're going to get in giving advice or getting you, from what I've seen, trying to get you involved a little bit. You know, if you talk to some 
you know, some deer hunters sometimes they don't they don't tell you anything. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've I've known quail hunters and I've done it myself with their calling. I'm having a hell of a time in Kansas. I saw on your Instagram account where y'all limited out each day. Do you mind telling me kind of a general area? And I was like, no, I'll tell you the exact area we went. Here you go. <laughs> you know, you know. So uh, I think you know if people can join if you want to get your family involved or your your son or your daughter or your wife. Get involved with Quail Forever. Call me if you need, I mean, Jesus, if you want to know any kind of, you know, people call me all the time. Hey, what do I want to do with this dog? Oh, let's do this. Come on, let's go train her, right? What do I want to do? You know, just, we're, we're full of advice and we'll give you a ton. So, and I think you probably can attest to that as well. It's just a, the community as a whole is uh, pretty damn awesome. <laughs> it's a good community to bring your kid up in too. <laughs> yep. Absolutely, John. I, I totally agree with, with just with everything you said. And, and, you know, Quill Forever, great place to start, great organization. And like you said, you know, reach out, find find those other upland hunters, make a connection, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or making a phone call or dropping into the local uh, Quail Forever banquet, that kind of thing. You know, just get out yeah. there and get out get out there, put your name out there and, and ask. Exactly. Somebody exactly. 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 And be willing to help out that too, you know, be willing to help out. That goes a long way. (laughs) Yes, sir. Exactly. Yep. Well, John, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the project Upland podcast. I really appreciate it. Shared some, shared some really, really, uh, good stories about you and Preston and, (laughs) and, uh, your, your Instagram handle again is at wing beats and little feet. People can, people can follow you on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. follow along with you and Preston and all your adventures. So thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks, Nick. I hope you do well. All right. Take care. See you. All right. Bye. Hey, everybody. Nick Larson with the Project Upland Podcast. Just wanted to take a second to thank you again for listening to this episode of the show and remind you that, as always, we are brought to you by our friends at Pine Ridge Krause Camp. As always, we appreciate your feedback. Please don't hesitate to contact us via projectupland.com or by emailing me directly at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. This is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.